Today's passage comes from the book of Luke, chapter 7, verses 36 through 50. This is the word of God. One of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him, and he went into the Pharisee's house, and he reclined at the table. And behold, a woman of the city, who was a sinner, when he, she learned that he was reclining at table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment, and standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears, and wiped them with her hair of, of her head, and kissed his feet, and anointed them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisees, who had invited him, saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would <clears throat> have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answering him said, said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered, say it, teacher. A certain moneylender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon answered, the one, I suppose, for whom he canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, you have judged rightly. Then turn, turning towards the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much, but he who is forgiven little loves little. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Then those who were at the table with him began to say amongst themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. This is the word of the Lord. Taking a little break from our series on creation, I want to give you a special Thanksgiving message. And this may seem like a bit of a strange passage for Thanksgiving. Um, let me set this up a little bit. What I'm really thankful for is this church. I'm thankful for this church. I'm thankful for church in, in general, but I'm especially thankful for this church. And when I think about church and what I hope church, what church should be and what I always dreamed church could be, it is this passage I think about, Luke chapter 7. Um, years ago, um, you know, I, I became an almost professional nerd. I did. A, I, I worked on a PhD, okay? And I stopped, you know, I was a full-time pastor before that, and I, I, I dropped out of ministry. And then I came back a number of years later, and I was relearning how to be a full-time pastor again. And I taught a Bible study through the Gospel of Luke. And I'm teaching this Bible study, and in the middle of teaching Luke chapter 7, um, I... I think Jesus just dropped this on top of my head. Like the Holy Spirit was like, this is church, Susan. This is church. And don't ever forget that this is church. And if the gospel's in church, something like this is going to happen. 
this thing that happened at this dinner party should regularly happen inside of church. If the church is really of the gospel and Jesus is right there in his house, the presence of Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit, and he is seen and he is perceived through the hearing of the gospel, a very strange thing will happen. And it's something like this, okay? And um, so let me just say, start by saying this way. Um, I always dream that somebody can walk in a church who feels that he or she is very messed up and very, very poor. Very messed up. Not a little bit messed up, like seriously screwed up. He or she thinks, everybody can tell that I am, I can't keep it together. I can barely keep it together. Maybe I can't keep it together. Mostly people who come to church look like they have it together. So the Pharisee represents, I think, the regular person in church. That person believes in God. That person knows something about the Bible. They often kind of have their money <laughs> and their act kind of put together. And generally, that's the person who invites Jesus over to their house. <laughs> Does that make sense? The religious Christian person kind of has an act together and invites the person, Jesus, over to their house. Normally, um, I want to say normally, too often normally, if someone shows up at church who looks very obviously like they can't keep their act together, it's a scandal. <laughs> it's a scandal. That's kind of what happens here in this passage. There is the person who has his act together. He's very well respected in the community. And he throws a dinner party for Jesus. Jesus knows his name. We don't actually know the name of the woman who shows up. I'm not even sure how she actually got into the dinner party. <laughs> so was it like out in the courtyard? Normally, if you're not invited, you don't get to come, right? And let's just say it kind of bluntly here. This woman's a prostitute. That's pretty much, it's a nice way of saying it. She's a sinner. Everybody knows. I'm not exactly sure how you can know that she's a prostitute. But is it the way she dresses? Is it the way she looks? Is it because she slept with so many men in town, they just know who she is? And the women know who she is, so they just know. But they know. So she shows up at the dinner party. And she does this very extraordinary thing, okay? She just starts crying. <laughs> and she pulls out this alabaster ointment. It's extremely expensive, by the way. And she just pours it out on him and kisses his feet. And that's what happens. It's completely weird. If you grew up in church, you know this story. You probably heard this in the Bible, and I've read this story many times when I was young. And I never thought it was about church. I became a pastor. I never thought it was about church. It was like, well, Jesus is Jesus. 
prostitutes show up and love Jesus. Isn't that kind of normal? But let's just, here's what the passage is trying to say. It is not normal in the world. You all know it's not normal in the world, right? But I began to realize wherever Jesus shows up, this happens. And doesn't Jesus come to church? Isn't that his house? Isn't that where he's invited? Isn't that where he's the most important guest? He's the most important guest right here. He's the most important person at this dinner. The dinner party is for him. It's about him. And the person who's kind of cleaned up, um, he's hosting the dinner party. And someone who shows up, it's like scandalous. So he's hosting a dinner party, and he's scandalized. He's scandalized by her showing up. He actually doesn't like Jesus <laughs> because he seems okay with her touching him. He seems actually good with it. He's quite good with it. And so then Jesus says, well, I have a little story to tell you. And the story is odd. It's just really short. He says, there was two people. They owed this guy um, money. And uh, one owed 50 denarii, denarii and the other owed 500. So let's just do this in um, Silicon Valley terms. Okay? So... One denarius equals one day's wages, okay? One day's wages. That's basically what a denarius means back then. And let's just do this in Silicon Valley terms. I looked it up. You know what, how much the, the median household income in Silicon Valley is? It's about $131,000 according to the 2020 census. Let me tell you something. It's the highest in the country, in this county, okay? Higher than New York, San Francisco, Honolulu, you name it, the highest. It's right here, $131,000. So here's what median means, just in case for those of you who are like, I don't remember this algebra stuff, okay? Median is, it's the number directly in the middle. That means half the households have more than $131,000, and you know some of them have like a lot more. Half the households are below. And so now you kind of have an idea in this county. Are you above 131000 in your annual income? That means you're on the above side. And if you are less than 131000 you're low. You're below, okay? And so that's just what that means. And I ran the math about how much is it if you take $131,000 and just roughly give about, you know, I just, about, I gave an estimate of the number of days that people work here, okay? And one denarius roughly is about a $550 a day. And if you do the math, it comes out like this. 50 denarii, 50 denarii in our day is about $27,500. So that's a lot of money to owe a person, right? If you owe somebody $27,500, you owe them a pretty good chunk of money. But what if you owed them 500 denarii? That would be something more like $275,000. That's 10x. Okay? 
That's what Jesus is talking about. So there's one who owes somebody 27500 another owes 275000 And let me ask you this question. Did you know that you have debt? Now, some of you are like, I've got a lot of debt, Pastor. Of course I know. Because <laughs> you live here. If you own a house, you, you have debt, right? But I'm not talking about money debt. I'm talking about a different person. The most important person. God. <laughs> the most important person in your life, when you stand up, your money debt, he, I'm sure he has some concern about that. But he has a different debt. It's very interesting. Jesus uses this idea, money, and then he says, but he's not really talking about money. He's talking about a prostitute who's pouring herself out, utterly making herself vulnerable and probably even humiliating herself in front of a bunch of people who she's not even sure wants her there. In fact, she's probably pretty sure doesn't want her there. Right? And um, here's something that I have noticed for many, many years as a pastor and even as a, as a young man. People who have more money, this is very strange. There's a paradox. People who have more money, they tend to think that the debt before God is less. It's very strange. They got more money. If you have more money, you have a better degree, you have a nicer house, you have status in society and people respect you. That's what a Pharisee is. A Pharisee is not just a religious person. He's got his, um, he looks like his moral house is in order and he usually has a good degree and he has decently good money, and he could throw the dinner party. Usually people who have more money and more status in society, they think their debt before God is smaller. <laughs> people who have less money, and they often have less money because their lives are a mess. Or maybe they came from a family where their lives were a mess, so they never even had a chance. They never even had a chance. If you meet people on the streets, I want you to think a little bit about this. Don't just think they're dangerous or they're dirty. They're probably fatherless. <laughs> I grew up, you know, kind of like nervous about those kind of folks. I learned a statistic recently. My wife and I are, are, are um, really considering becoming foster parents. And I learned a statistic that some very high percentage of people who are in the foster care system end up homeless. <laughs> so they didn't, even have, they didn't even have a chance. So outside, they're a mess. Everybody thinks that they're a mess. They themselves probably think they're a mess. When they think that they're before God, they know their debt is big. They know their debt is so big, they don't think they can come to God. They don't think they can come to God. They're afraid. 
And they don't think they can come to the place where God's supposed to be met, which is church. When people go to church, you know what they mostly think about? They look at the other people. They don't mostly think this is a house of God. <laughs> they think of it as a house of religion. And they size up the church according to what they see in the people. <laughs> and so if you show up at church and you want to be around scrubbed up people, you want to be around people with good, you know, good education and you know, they, their lives aren't a big mess spilling out all over the place, they're not addicted. <laughs> They're not cheating on their wives. They're not stealing. They're not doing crazy stuff, whatever. So let's go to church. There are people who want to go to church exactly for that reason. But what happens if somebody comes into the church and they are a big mess? And their mess comes out. And you can see it. Will the other people at church not like them? My wife and I met in a church in Boston. Um, it was a strange church. It was a Korean-American church. The Korean-speaking congregation was filled with people like Simon, <laughs> very well-educated Koreans, doctors and lawyers. I had never met a bunch of first-generation Koreans who could speak fluent English. This guy had like, he had like, a, I think he was an MD, spoke fluent English, and I was like, my dad can't speak English like this guy. Strangely, though, um, I thought the faith in their congregation was, was pretty poor. We went to the English-speaking congregation. And in the English-speaking congregation, there are a bunch of college kids who went to some pretty good schools. Boston has a bunch of pretty good schools. But it was a very strange place. When you went to that church, kids would show up, these college kids, these 25-year-olds, 27-year-olds would show up. And they walked in poor. Not poor about money. They walked in knowing that if God looked at their heart account, it was a gigantic debt. If you walked into that church, you could feel that people said, we are before Jesus. And this is a place where you could be really poor. I don't know how a church, that congregation, could be like that. And when I went there, I, I knew I was at home. <laughs> I knew I was at home. I am your pastor. That means I'm a professional Christian. <laughs> that means I'm supposed to know the Bible. That's supposed to mean I'm supposed to be, like, have my act together. Let me tell you something. I try to have my act together. <laughs> but sometimes it's not that put together. You know why I love Jesus and why I love church? Because I'm a sinner. Because I'm a sinner. You know why I never miss church? Because I got a gigantic debt. It ain't no $27,500. If you could put a number on it before God... It's like a billion, billion dollars. I'm never able to pay it off. I can never get a handle on that thing. So I have to go to the house where he is. 
And my dream of church is that you can be vulnerable at church. My dream of church is you can show up and you can break apart. You are breaking apart. Someone will come to church, they'll stand there, and they have broken apart their life, but Jesus paid their debt. And they believed that, and he made them new. So they're standing up there, and they're like, whoa! <laughs> and they're more happy at church than any other day. Okay? And then someone will sit over there, and they're scared to walk into church. They're scared that Simon's going to be there and say, hey, aren't you a hooker? Aren't you a porn addict? Huh? Aren't you just a person who loves money all the time? Aren't you a person who ruined your marriage? You're a bad parent? Aren't you an addict? People come to church and they're afraid. They're afraid of the other people. They're afraid of the other people. And when they walk into the house of God, they don't actually expect to meet God. They don't. But sometimes they come because they're so broken, they have to go someplace. They hope, maybe, possibly, God will be there. And something of God can be given to me because nobody else sure as heck could help me. So I would love for somebody to come to our church and they just sit there and they bawl. They just break apart. Who knows what their hair looks like or their clothes look like or whatever. And they just sit there and they bawl. And we are like, that's normal. This is the house of Jesus. Shouldn't the prostitutes be able to come into this house? Shouldn't the addicts be able to come into this house? Um, it is my dream that people will come to church. Some of them will have money. You know, you just can't live in this city if you can't make some money. You kind of have to chase after to be something like Simon. If you're kind of like not good enough to be like Simon, you kind of just can't even make it in this city. You'll end up on the street, right? But I hope that people come to this church maybe like Simon. And they'll have money. And at the beginning, they'll think, oh, I don't like that person. <laughs> oh, keep my kid away from that person. But then they think their debt is this big. But when they come into the church, they hear the gospel that God paid their debt. by shedding his blood, not by money, 
but with his blood. And they begin to realize their debt was very, very, very large indeed. And they start to go, I don't know how much money I got in my bank account, but before God, I am so very, very poor. And I'm so glad there is Jesus that he loves me. <laughs> I have walked that path. I grew up in the church. I grew up in a lot of Phariseeism. I learned how to be a good Pharisee. I learned I have a name in the church. My dad is an elder. I'm, I'm known. And I learned how to be cleaned up. But then over time, I found out my debt was so big, I could not handle it. And I started looking at church differently. I started reading the Bible differently. I started looking for someone who could answer my debt. I started showing up at church as a sinner. Revive, your pastor is a sinner. That ain't no theory. It's real. I hope you don't think I'm going to show up all cleaned up. I stand up here to be vulnerable before you. Because I'm a prostitute in here. My heart is wicked. And I badly need Jesus. I badly need James to come up here to sing these songs. I badly need John. I, I need that. I don't come to church primarily because I'm the pastor. I come to church because I'm a sinner. That's why I'm thankful for church. You know one of the things I found out about this church, Revive Church? It's okay for me to be a sinner, even though I'm the pastor. I'm the lead pastor. <laughs> I want to tell you something. I can't say too much about it, but I'll just share you one thing that happened at our leaders' retreat. Our elders, they perceived that among the three pastors, we were hurting. They perceived that we were frail and that we were afraid sometimes. They used this term that they learned in, the, in their corporate world, psychological safety. <laughs> They're like, we, we think you guys don't have enough psychological safety. And they were like, hey, sorry for using that, but that's kind of how, how we, we pick it up. And they gave us grace so we could spill that stuff out. Yeah, well, thanks for loving me. God, thanks for loving me. Damon, you're not here. Thanks for loving me. Not the pastor, the man, the sinner. No man is good enough. This pastor job, if you, everything that people want from their pastor, let me already tell you something. 
Nobody could do it. <laughs> Every pastor you'll ever meet will let you down. Every single one. <laughs> if you meet them and scratch below the surface, guess what's going to come out? A prostitute will come out. And you know what every pastor is afraid of? You will see the inner prostitute and then you'll fire us. We're all afraid of that. We are all afraid of that. If there's a pastor out there who says he's not afraid of that, he's lying. <laughs> Either that or he's like super duper holy, okay? And like he's in the 0.1% that went to that place. But generally, he's probably lying. <laughs> your elders told your pastors a week ago, We'll love the man. Thank you. That said to me, I guess we are a Luke 7 kind of church. Revive. You can be vulnerable at this in this house. Everybody can be vulnerable in this house. You could fall apart. You know your debt is like, doesn't mean we'll be perfect. It doesn't mean we know how to reach you or quote unquote solve your problems because we obviously don't know how to do that. But you know who's in this house? Jesus. The one who pay your debt, who has paid your debt. And when you're falling apart, he loves you. And if you show up with your prideful, pharisaical self, he'll still love you. <laughs> the gospel is very, very strange. It takes this paradox. The people who think they got money and they got it put together, the more they hear the gospel, they will see the truth, that there is a gigantic debt. So on the outside, they have money. But on the inside, they'll be poor. But then when they get Jesus, they go, now I am rich. Amen. And when they meet other people who are crazy poor, whether it's in terms of money or poor in their heart, they will love them and said, welcome to the house of Jesus. This is what our house is about. Jesus is in this house. So welcome. If you fall apart, we'll cry with you. And we'll love you. Thank you, Revive, for being patient with a pastor like me and Young, and Joe. Thank you for raising up some pretty good elders. Thank you for being a church that loves Jesus. And when many more people come into this church, who are breaking apart. Let's give them the house of Jesus. Amen. Yes. And let them know 
Jesus has paid your debt with his blood. And though you are poor in him, you'll be rich forever and ever. And nobody can ever take that from you. And we're just going to love you again and again, even when you forget it. <laughs> so you will remember it and believe it. Let's pray. Oh, Lord. Throughout the summer, it was hard to be kind of church homeless to a lot of churches. Some were good. Some were not so good. And um, it's hard to show up and not be known and not be loved. Thank you that I can come home to this church, our church, your church, your house. And we pray, Lord, no matter what a person's brokenness is, their sinfulness is, no matter how gigantic their debt is, we pray that they can come into this house you will be in this house, always with us. Your spirit will be poured out. And people will meet you. And the poor will be made rich. And the rich will know they are poor. So that only in Christ can they become truly rich. And for that, we will sing and be thankful from our hearts forever and ever. <laughs> Let us give you that thanks in our worship, in our obedience, in our repentance, in our faith all the time. In Jesus' name, amen.